Hi everyone, you're listening to Mary Read Scripture, a production of the Ephesus School Network. I'm Mary, and today I'll be reading and you'll be hearing from the Book of Romans. Let's begin, as we always will, by hearing Scripture. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Mary Read Scripture. In our episode last week, we ended with Paul's reminder that the Jews are no better than the Greeks. The Jews may have the oracles of God, but that is where their advantage stops. Their unrighteousness and lies have no effect on God's righteousness and truth. Nothing the Jews can say as men can gain them the upper hand on God. All are under sin, both Jews and Greeks, as we hear in verse 9 of our Romans passage. This has been previously charged in Paul's letter to the Romans. If you remember, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 31, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, not just the Jews. Men were fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and animals. Paul's long list of unrighteous behaviors in verses 28 through 31 applies to men in general, and he directly addresses man in this in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Again, if you remember from Romans chapter 2, verses 10 through 16, God does not favor the face of either Jew or Greek. The secrets of all men will be judged by God through Jesus Christ. So while we can say that Paul has been speaking predominantly to the Jews in the last several passages we've been discussing, the Gentiles are not off the hook. Man has also been previously charged outside of Paul's letter to the Romans. We are cued into this by the word translated collectively as previously charged. This word in Greek is proetiasamatha and is a form of the verb proetiaome. It is defined as to accuse beforehand. It is derived from the prefix pro, which indicates that action has already taken place, and the word etia, which is defined as cause or reason. The word proetiome is only used once in the New Testament, by Paul here in Romans. This is not the first time that Paul has used a very specific word to make his point in his letter. Whenever I see this, I like to do some extra investigating to see why he may have chosen this particular word. Initially, I can see that this word is used twice in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of what most of my listeners would call the Old Testament. It is used once in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, and once in the Wisdom of Sirach. We are only going to look at the Proverbs reference because I do not have access to a Greek resource for Sirach. For my listeners who may not know, the Wisdom of Sirach, also known as Ecclesiasticus, is included in the Apocrypha, or Deuterocanonical texts. You can find these texts in an Orthodox or Catholic study Bible, but not in your typical Protestant Bible. A translation of the Greek for Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 reads, The folly of man lays waste in his ways, and God blames his heart. Theon etiate tikardia avtu. If, in his use of the word proetiome, 
Paul is referencing this verse from Proverbs in the Septuagint, we can see that the charge or blame has indeed been previously placed. It is no surprise then that this charge comes from God, who blames the heart of man, whose folly lay waste to his own ways. I do need to point out to my Orthodox listeners that if you are reading from the Orthodox Study Bible, the translation of Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 is of the Masoretic Hebrew text for verse 5 and not 3, and it actually reads very differently. It reads, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Again, this demonstrates that Paul's reference, as he is writing here in Romans, is the Greek Septuagint text, and not the Masoretic Hebrew text. This is important for my listeners to understand because their typical Western Bible that uses the Masoretic Hebrew text for the Old Testament does not necessarily line up perfectly with the New Testament in Greek. At the end of the day, my concern is Paul's reference, not ours, not our Western Bibles. This isn't a value judgment of the Septuagint Greek over the Hebrew Masoretic, just an observation of Paul's practical reality. With the use of this word, proetiome, the hearers of Paul's words are taken back in time to what was previously charged by God in the scriptures. Interestingly, though, the use of this word by Paul also takes us forward in time to the book of Acts. I say forward in time because Acts was written as an account of the early church decades after Paul is writing here in Romans. Following the connections between these words, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 25, verse 7, where Paul is on trial before Festus. Our word in verse 7 is etiomata, and is a form of the noun etioma, which is defined as a complaint. I should note that this variation of the word is also used only one time in the New Testament, here in Acts. This means we see a variation of this word, proetiome, once in the Septuagint, primary canon, once in Romans, and once in Acts. This is again cause for us to pay attention and to ask the question, what are the authors of scripture trying to tell us about the larger narrative through the use of this word? Let's hear Acts chapter 25, verse 6 through 8, to see if there's a reasonable answer to this question. And when he had remained among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he, Festus, commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints, etiomata, against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended in anything at all. I think we can conclude by saying that, for Paul, the case he is making to the Jews in Rome is based on evidence he considers to be proven already. In other words, his case comes from Scripture, the oracles of God. We have seen this a few times already in Paul's use of conditional conjunctions that communicate to his audience that a fact is being assumed. Paul's rhetorical questions operate under the premise that those facts are agreed upon by his Jewish audience in Rome. Paul's use of the word proetiome is just another example of a case that has already been made by Scripture. God is the originator of the original charge against man. God blames man's heart. 
Because Paul is speaking to the facts on the ground, as it were, he cannot be held in condemnation for this. The Jews have no power over his argument. Their complaints could not be proven. Because at the end of the day, those complaints are against their own oracles and not Paul. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week for a new episode of Mary Read Scripture. Bye!